Thanks, Claire. Really appreciate it. They, they, they did great. No. How are doing in Buffalo? Uh, glad you asked that, Claire. Uh, we're doing really well. Uh, the group uh, has been training incredibly well. Uh, really proud of the uh, some uh, detail-oriented stuff we've been working on. And I'm um, looking forward to our uh, star invite. Do another take. Say, I'm the co-host, Finn Murray. All right, TJ, thank you so much for joining us on the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. I'm excited about this one. We get to talk Niagara swimming. We get to talk a little bit about how our paths crossed in our history together. And just really wanted to dive in and find out some of the things that you're doing at STAR to really turn that program around in a very short period of time. It's always been a successful program in Buffalo. You're taking it to new heights. What are some of the things that you're most excited about this year for your club? Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, first of all, for having me, uh, you know, it's an honor when you uh, asked. Uh, I I laughed uh, first when you sent me the message. Hey, you want to be on the coach's corner? And I was like, sure. What do I need to wear? You know, is it a black tie affair? But, uh, you know, uh, the group has been doing an incredible job uh, from transitioning from, I feel like that phase of where we were, you know, limited space, limited time, a pool, you know, what we we're dealing with to where we're back to some normalcy and, and the training has been phenomenal. One of the things that I've always appreciated about you and your style since your days at Carmel is the enthusiasm that you bring to the pool deck, not just in competition, but also for practice. Why is enthusiasm such an important part of your philosophy as a coach? Man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, I'm very passionate. I feel like I, I get to do every day something I love to do. Uh, you know, swimming's been so good to me over the years, and I've had so many great mentors and coaches that have just guided me in my life that it's a way of myself giving back. It, you know, it's funny you say that I, I address the, our, like, 12 to 14-year-olds just the other day. Um, one of our coaches said, hey, can you talk to the group? And I, I talked to them about how important passion is. And I explained to them, that's their love for something, you know, and with passion, you can have this endless supply of energy that produces incredible results, in my opinion. And I want to make sure my athletes understand that every day, regardless of the situation we're in, I know they're giving their heart and soul to what they're trying to provide to their goals and the team's goals. I'm going to give my heart and soul everything I can to. So it's really evident in the way that your athletes come to practice and what I've seen in the past and how they approach the meets. And one of the things that I've observed from your enthusiasm is that it also brings a certain level of accountability and getting the job done. And when your team walks on deck, they look ready to race, but they are also having a great time. So how do you make sure that you're incorporating fun into what you're doing at star? <laughs> that's funny uh you know I, I look I look at our team and I would say five years ago before I came to this program um I, I came from a very successful program um I was surrounded by incredible coaches uh that have now some stayed where they were uh, at Carmel and some have moved on um but probably the best thing that ever happened to myself was the month prior to coming to work at star, my former boss, uh, said, okay, you're see you're done. It's time to take a break from here. And it was actually a month before I was supposed to get to my job. A little panic was taken into play, but the best thing that happened to me was allow me to evaluate the program from afar and look at it and say, okay, I'm going to start studying this team without even being there for 30 days what's on their website, what's going on with the program. 
start talking to coaches, even though they know I'm hired, but I'm creating a, a relationship with those coaches and finding out the things. And the biggest thing I really found out was team worked hard, great attitudes. They came to practice every day, you know, just like every other program. But the big thing I felt that was missing was core values. And I feel like, you know, your behaviors plus your values that creates your culture. Well, you know, you say, okay, how do you hold that accountability? Well, the funny thing is one of our five core values is accountability, you know? So I always tell the athletes, no matter what age group they're in, the coaches are going to hold you accountable, but we expect you swimmers to hold us accountable too. If there's something we're supposed to be better at and we're not doing our job, it's okay to say it. We want that. We also want the athlete to tell another athlete accountable, but respectfully, you know, not that, you know, you know, <laughs> we all seen it. And then the last thing is in the last one of our five core values is fun. And the, and the funny thing is I, it's like, I, I even said this to a younger group the other day. I said, working hard can be fun. Challenging practices can be fun. But remember what started you in this sport, you know, at age three, age four, age five, six, seven, whatever age it was. 99% of all athletes will tell you I started because it was fun. And they've got to remind you've got to remind them that that what started you. Let's keep that going. Now, it might be a different way of how you're having fun than when you first got in and you're just playing around in the pool, doing some blowing ring bubbles or doing bobs. But now you're on a, a bigger level and you're still blowing ring bubbles and still doing bobs. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And, you know, when I watch your team uh, get ready to race or when I watch your team at a, at a pressure-packed meet, a higher-level meet, it's evident that they're still having fun. So it's great to see that programmatic philosophy from the coaching staff go down to the athletes and into the parents and your families. TJ, you are so lucky and so fortunate via your hard work and dedication to the sport to be able to work alongside two of the best coaches in our game. Chris Plum at Carmel, uh, which you alluded to earlier, and Ian Murray while he was at Carmel, now the head coach at Dynamo. What are some of the core values that you learned from them being around them? And then as part two to the question, what is it like being in a staff meeting at one of the best organizations in our sport? And those uh, some, some good questions. So first working with Ian and Chris, you know, it was, I felt like one, we challenge each other all the time. In different ways you know ian had a previous uh relationship with chris of almost seven plus years of working with them so their their bond was a lot closer now my bond with them was we were good friends prior and um the one thing i can always give credit credit to chris is and i've said this to and i'll tell this any coach what makes chris really good is he goes out and seeks what his team needs staffing wise and the staff may not think that's what fits because they're used to that joint system of you know going the same way you know understanding the team comes first you know that's the big thing I felt like I learned you know what whatever it takes on the side of the team you know that your personal goals need to change for the team's goals and your team your individual goals will happen through the team's goals if that makes any sense, what I'm saying. But, um, you know, another thing that was uh, really good about that, and, I, and I've already, I think all coaches have this, you know, but it was, it was very much a place of a mindset of not satisfied. We're not going to be satisfied. Yeah, we just won girls national state championship. We, we won boys state championship, but we're not satisfied because we're going to try to get to this national level. How are we going to get to this level of the next spot? You know, and uh, I would say the fun part about it was we would go into a meeting. It could be an hour long meeting and it could be it could get super heated. But at the end of the meeting, we were all in at the end of the meeting. We still were all 
on the same path of, of understanding what it was. Now, there might have been 15, 20 minutes of us, you know, going at it of, in different ways, good ways of challenging the person of what, how to get to that path that we're trying to get to. But then at the end of the day, we're all on the same, you know, same ship rowing the same way. So are those skills that you find Ian has continued to enhance since he's gone to Dynamo? I mean, it's obvious to see the tremendous amount of success that he's had during that time. And he's been a great fit for that club and that organization. What have you seen Ian take away from Chris and double down on? And, and this is part and parcel part of this conversation because we've had both of those gentlemen on this program and we've had them on together. And at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about who wore it better, the button down collar shirt or the sweatshirt. And uh, we'll get into, we'll get into that argument too. You know, Ian was primed for that job at Dynamo when it came available, in my opinion. Uh, he's had many opportunities before, and I mean, I think he waited for the best situation for not only for his coaching, but what's best for his family. Uh, that's one thing I have, a, I have a ton of respect for. Ian really thinks about what's best for his family, um, for the mental side of him and his mental side of his family side. So uh, I have administratively you're not going to find a better coach in the nation than that guy he is on it he he taught me how to be a, a good administrator that's what I learned from Ian and and I think he helped Chris in that route because I mean Ian's a guy from Cleveland uh blue collar town he is he's gonna get in the dirt and if you told him to dig a, a 10 foot ditch he's got a 20 foot ditch by the end of the day and his hands might be all bloody and everything, but he'll never complain about his hands being bloody. You know, that's the type of guy you got. They got that dynamo got. And I have so much respect for Ian. Um, you know, I, 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 <laughs> Ian and I have challenged each other many times. We were like fire and ice, you know, but that's why I felt like Chris brought me in. And at that time, you know, to, to enhance the program. So, but Ian's, gonna dynamo is just gonna get better and better and you i think you're just seeing a little you know it's like the iceberg effect you know you you see the iceberg but really what's underneath is really the iceberg and you haven't seen everything that's coming out from that program uh, what a great explanation of how things work there and you know what you saw the strength of one coach building off of another what they learned from each other it's so neat one of the things that I benefit from being so close to you is I get to ask you a lot of questions about what it was like at Carmel. And you actually taught me something about staff meetings that we're now using both with our staff and a technique that we're using with the groups on our team. So talk to us about winner circle, what it is, why it's important, maybe how you do it at star and uh, talk about how it's helped sure. your team grow closer together. So uh, I got, and I got, I got this from Chris and Ian. Um, when I got there, the first time I saw it, it was like, it was like, I thought it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Cause one, I thought the athletes took responsibility of it and they, they cared about it, you know? Um, and that's where I felt like when I first brought the, in the play and, and really what it is, is the best time to do winter circle is you do it after a swim meet. Swim meet gets done. You put the whole group in a circle. You have everyone go around. They need to stand up. First of all, they have to stand up, speak out loud, loud enough so everybody hears them. Nobody talking while so everybody needs to be respectful to that person. And they need to mention somebody that they've seen go that extra 10%. So not the 100%, the 110%. Or maybe it was a race they saw the athlete do. Or maybe it was their teacher that went the extra 10%. Maybe it was their grandmother that did the leaves for somebody else. You know, it doesn't always have to be the parent or the, it has to be the teammate. That's the most beautiful thing about it. And the most beautiful thing about it is hearing the actual feelings that when the athlete says it, especially about another athlete. And that's, that was the problem. What I feel like our team started off with. It was hilarious because it was like, there'd be a typical couple guys. Well, I want to give a shout out to Joey for his great game of Fortnite last night. And I'm like, 
okay, well, we're going to do this. We're not going to do it. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I go, because your words have meaning. And you might think it's funny to Joey, but actually internally, you don't know what that's doing. Emotionally, you're hurting their, their e-tank, in my opinion, that emotional tank that you're trying to fill. And that's, you know, goes back to when you said, you know, you say, okay, your team's very accountable and you're passionate. Well, they, they have, it's taken time. <laughs> okay. But over the years, it's about reminding them importance of, of it. what they say about those, your teammates have so important effect because filling their e-tank is actually filling your own e-tank as well. That emotional tank that needs to be filled. And that winner circle, that's what it does. It fills the team's e-tank. It fills the coach's e-tanks. It fills the athlete's e-tanks. But the most importantly thing is it gives them responsibility. They have to, they, you know, leadership. They have to stand up. You know, some people are, are the quiet talkers that when they're in their own little circle, they talk really loud. But you get them in a, in a group in a quiet stand, they're like, I don't want to do that. No way. You know, why do I got to talk? You need to do it because – those are life skills that you're learning. Those are skills you're going to need someday. You're going to be in a job where you're around a desk and there's 12 different people there and you've got to step up and talk if you really want to see that job done. So I commend them on it. the, I mean, that it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Boy, what a great two minutes that was. And I'm not just blowing smoke for you, but subconsciously, I think you're so used to talking about these different things that you say things that are really powerful, maybe without realizing it. So you use the phrase e-tank several times. Sure. It's obviously very important to winner circle and very important to the development of your team. So how did you come up with that phrase? And when you talk to your athletes about it, how are you bringing that phraseology into what you want them to do? Yeah, that, that comes from PCA. They're, they're the smart ones. Positive Coaching Alliance. Uh, Dr. King, Dr. Rock King, uh, he, he got me into PCA. We, uh, we actually took, uh, we were certified at PCA when we were uh, at Carmel. I, I still read a lot of things from Positive Coaching Alliance. I think the information on there is stuff that you can take in and you can give back to your program and teach athletes. It gives you great education. There's some stuff about that Steve Kerr just goes on, you know, on an unbelievable rant about helping athletes, you know. So I give that's that's where that came from. Um, so it's always somebody else to get it. Somebody, you know, it's like the greatest coach. What are the greatest coaches? They're the greatest thieves, right? You know, the, you, you take what you learn. But I'll, I'll quote somebody else on this. Um, Dan Ross, the head coach of Purdue University, one of my mentors, uh, said to me one day, I, I wrote a workout down, you know, of, of a workout that I got. And, and I was like, I was like, well, it came from this person. He goes, no, you no, it didn't. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, no, once you write it on paper, it's yours. You take ownership of that now. So that was something I, you know, I, I always think, but that e-tank thing, I talk about that a lot. I, I think that's very important. I think that not enough of us do that enough to where to help the athletes understand, you know, what you're saying to your teammate, it could crush that e-tank. I mean, it could literally crush it, you know, and it's like the, the old saying, you know, if you're going to say something negative, you better have five things positive that you're going to say, you know, and if you don't have those five things, you better not say that one thing unless you're really ready to go down to that because you are going to take that e-tank and you're to squish it down and, and you want that e-tank to be so big that, you know, the head can't walk through the door. Absolutely. And is this something that you and your coaches are monitoring? Would you say maybe to another staff member, Hey, you know, Phil, it looks like so-and-so's e-tank might be running low. So we, we've got to come at this person this way. Yeah, I definitely. I think that's something that's, and you know, the funny thing is I, I even do it with my staff. I might go up to one of my staff and just tell them, but genuinely tell them like, dude, you're crushing it right now. Keep it up. 
really proud of you. Thank you so much for what you did the other day. Da, 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 da. You know what you've done. I think that happens a lot, but then I think what you see it happens age group wise, the age group coaches definitely address. And then the senior coaches definitely address on that side. But then if I know one of my coaches has, it, you know, it's, and I'll take this for me and, you know, it's, you know, um, coaching's having relations, relationships, you know, you got to build those relationships to where that you have, they, they trust you, you trust them and you can, you can learn and grow from there. You know, I might have one coach that has a better relationship with X, Y, Z athlete. And they might already be the one that come to me and say, Hey, this is what's going on. You need to know that. So then as that, I would be addressing it from, from both, you know, sides. So that's definitely, that's that part where you got to say, okay, you know, you got to mesh together and that's where you trust your employees. You trust them to where they're saying, this is what I'm seeing. And then you're like, well, I don't see that at all. Well, cause you know, we, I got tunnel vision today, you know, whatever, you know. What a great way to build that trust though, you know, within a staff, if, you know, if, if I know that my fellow coaches or, you know, the coaches that I'm working with are aware enough to know when maybe I'm struggling, I'm going to feel a whole lot better about being a part of this team, being a part of this club. And I think when a coach feels secure that way, that's when we do our best coaching, right? Unbelievable. That's when we do our best coaching. So I love to hear you talk about that. TJ, one of the things that you can really uh, contribute to Carmel over the years, and a lot of this has to do with the way that Chris approaches the world, very deliberate with, with a lot of ideas, but also very open-minded, is creativity. And I know that you incorporate a lot of creativity into what you're doing. Talk to us about what you're doing at STAR creatively that might be different from some other programs, that might be some mixing and matching but how are you keeping the work fresh to your athletes and coaches? Strictly 25s. <laughs> no, it, and I'll give you that story someday. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm always constantly trying to learn, you know, uh, got a really good group of close friends that uh, we talk a lot. You know, we, we try to, you know, take different ideas from each other. But I think I have a, a system that I like, you know, it, it's, it's very, it's a very simple system. It's not anything complex, but there's a lot of different things going on. You know, I, we're going to work, we're quality over quantity. We're technique, 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 technique. I mean, you, you, you've seen so many videos, you do so many things with fitter and faster and they do so many incredible things, but if what breaks down, what's the difference from that, one percent athlete to the the other the the hundred the thousandth athlete is that technique you know and uh you know, i'd say every day has a portion of technique in it you know it, it would it doesn't matter if it's working freestyle main stroke off stroke then kicking i always say uh i say it and i'll say it all the time you know uh legs be the wolf you know if you're not kicking and if your legs aren't in shape, you're not in shape. You know, that's my, that's my personal belief because it's like the legs are stronger than the arms, you know, the legs have got to get in shape. And we're, uh, we're fortunate that we do gain dry land. So that's, that's something very interesting in our program where our highest level of, of leg circuit will be our rate right with the same highest level of our kicking. So, um, Typical Mondays for my team, we will do threshold, um, you know, and they, 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 I was, I always laugh on Mondays, you know, cause I always think, I always think Monday is probably one of our easier days, but they always think it's one of the hardest days of the week. And it's probably cause we're not doing 25s. <laughs> and then uh, Tuesdays is, is an active rest stroke day. So um, there'll, there'll be three different practices going. I'll have a breaststroke group, I'll have a, a fly group, and I'll have a backstroke group. They'll all be doing active rest as their main thing. Uh, and then uh, Wednesday is typically an anaerobic capacity day. So we're going fast. We are, you know, and uh, one of my great mentors said this, you know, it's probably the hardest thing to train. It is the hardest thing to train. Yet 
the volume's so low in, but the intensity is so high. Like, so, so Wednesday night, we'll go in aerobic capacity. And I feel like at the end of practice, I am completely crushed. I am crushed. Like, I'm like, how I'm going to make it tomorrow morning. I am like, cause I, I, I literally pour my heart and soul into coaching them up that day because I want them to sell out and I want them to be in that 97 to, I mean, 96 to 98 percentile of effort on every effort that they give. So that gets uh, intense. Uh, typically uh, we do have, we do do uh, doubles on Tuesday, Thursdays, and that is power and more kicking. And what I do is we do, uh, we have uh, Destro uh, uh, pulley system that we use. Um, it's been awesome. So glad I don't have to build pulleys anymore. That was one thing I had to do when I first got the Carmel, and that wasn't enjoyable. Um, it, it was enjoyable, but it was just a lot of work. But uh, no, I mean, we're not doing, I mean, I guess if, if you say one thing we're doing uh, that I think, I think personally that we've been doing really good lately is attacking our underwaters. Is, and making the point, a conscious point to remind the athletes and holding them accountable, but being very detailed about it. Like it's programmed in and it's like, okay, you're doing this set. Why, why do I see you pushing off the streamline and you're only doing two dolphin kicks? Okay. What is your kick count supposed to be? You know, everyone should have a kick count coming off the walls. That's, that's what we have. And it's like, well, mine's supposed to be five. Okay. Well, you're doing two. It's close. Two out of five. Baseball, that's awesome. You had a great game. But if you're literally trying to get the five and you've been only doing two, we're three off there, okay? Because when we race, when you really race, it's probably going to be really doing three to four. You know, we're going to not get – they're going to try to do five. They might start out fresh and feel that five is good. But as that rest, the decline that's going to come – you know, they're going to be into like that three or four. Well, if they're training two, they're going to be one and zero. And then you kind of come back and say, I don't know what happened. Well, you, your cycle counts 10 and you were actually 16. Well, why, why do you think that? Well, you were zero kicks, you know? You can see the way that you approach it, the way that Chris approaches it, the way that Ian approaches it. You know, you guys are very precise. You talk about being exhausted after a practice. It's the reinforcement of correct movement with repetition time and time and time again. Talk about why patience as a coach in that process is so important. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I, I was talking to a friend the other day. You know, he called me about an athlete and He's like, you know, I just know this capable of going so fast, da 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 da. And, but yet, you know, doing all the training, and then training's kind of declined a little bit. And I'm like, should I change this? I go, dude, you got to trust what you're doing. You got to let it play out. You got to let it play out. You know, it's that simple analogy. I, I even tell the athletes this, okay? Second grade, you, you know, third grade, you come home with that foam potted pl uh, plant. It's just in a, some dirt, and it, there's a seed in there, but your goal is to let it get sunlight, get some water, and let it grow. And then, you know, every day the kid's in the, in the kitchen, is it growing, Mom, Dad? No, it's been a week. It's been two days, you know. And then two weeks go by, and they forget about it, and you come back, and it's all of a sudden sprouted something. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like, you know, one is – being patient, yeah, I, everybody wants instant results, instant results. Uh, it takes two weeks of adaption. I know that. It takes about a month that you're really going to see anything, you know. So I already know that in my head, and I'm well aware of that because it's probably been told to me a thousand times by somebody else <laughs> that that's helped me. And I would say my previous younger coaching, you know, because – Yes, I am. I got a lot of energy. Uh, you know, I, I know that everyone knows that about me. I mean, uh, but that's helped me remind myself, you know, okay, 
be, be patient here. We're, we're setting the tone here. Remind them what we're doing. Keep working at it. We've got to keep staying on what we're doing because we look bigger picture, not, not outcome, you know, right? You know, we're looking at that black and white. Everybody looks at the results of the swim meet. You know, it's like, well, you know, they went to a meet and they, you know, they added time in four events out of six events. And they're like, oh, my meet was good. That might have been their best meet they had in, in 10 years that they don't know. They kicked underwater like that you've been wanting to. You know, they, they changed the start and they tried it in the swim meet. You know, they attacked their turns and they didn't breathe in from the flags of the wall every race. But where the cycle of training is, it wasn't ready for, the, for them to do it yet. And that's okay. And that's the big word, yet. You know, it's like, I can't go fast. I hate the word can't. You haven't done it yet. You haven't done it yet. I love the mentality, man. And, uh, you know, patience is one of the hardest things to deal with as a coach, certainly as an athlete, a lot of times as a parent too, right? We, sure. we want our kids to learn things and be successful right out of the gate. And it's not just as simple as that. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, TJ, was we hear a lot as sports fans, as fans of college football, college basketball, you see this a lot, systems and staffs staffs and systems you came to star with a very different system than maybe what had traditionally been there in the past so when you're coming in with a new system it, it, it also means a new culture what's it like to retain a coaching staff that had been there before you uh, maybe not have any of your people with you from your last job and and how do you how do you create the sense of collaboration that it's going to take to collectively have the new vision for the team. Sure. Yeah, that, that was probably, uh, I would say the scariest thing, uh, just personally, you know, just say, okay, Hey, I'm coming to it. One, a new LSC. I don't know anyone. You know, I, I knew you before, but then you were moved, you moved on for a little bit, you know, so I didn't really know anybody, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, it's that thing. Are they going to like me? Are they gonna, is my personality going to be too outrageous for them? You know, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm a hard worker. I feel like, and as you know, I'm very passionate about this sport. Um, and I'm, I, I don't have that give up mentality. You know, it's like, I'm going to keep going. I might. I, I might fail nine times, but that 10th time I'm going to get it and I'll figure it out. I actually, you know what the biggest thing here was prior, when I got first hired, I took pretty, the interim head coach who was going to be retained, Phil, Aronica, out to dinner uh, at a really nice restaurant in uh, Hamburg. It's called The Grange. It's probably one of my favorite restaurants now. I mean, I asked, I, I didn't know where to go. And I, I asked my brother-in-law who, not the brother-in-law, you know, but my other brother-in-law who lives in Hamburg. I said, where's the best restaurant? He goes, the Grange. It's unbelievable. And so I took him there and we're sitting there at dinner and you could see he, he just like, he was like, I don't know about this guy, you know? And then I, I started talking and we started talking and I was like, I was explaining my vision of what I wanted. And, and I, I, I'll give him credit to this day and I will give him credit 10 years down the road. And next time you see him, you need to make sure you, you, he knows that he got the credit. What he said in a, like, after like 10 to 15 minutes of me explaining the vision of what I'm really feeling like, what this, what we can be and what this program could do. He goes, okay, here's the plan. We're going to start doing this tomorrow. I go, well, I'm not here until January. This is December 1st. He goes, I don't care. He goes, if we're going to, if we're going to actually do this, then we need to get ahead of this before you get there. We may not be very good at it while you're not here. And we might fall on our face and I might fall on my face teaching what you're trying to teach. But soon as I got, soon as I knew that, that 10 to 15 minutes, I knew I, I knew I had an ally. I knew I had someone that was going to say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is a new system. Yes, we've been training this way. We are going to train this way. 
you may look at this practice and say, this is the easiest practice. And then after the practice, you might say, oh my gosh, that was the hardest practice I've ever done. You know? And, and it was funny because we would probably talk every day on the phone, probably for an hour to hour and a half prior to the practice. So he understood what he was doing, what he was implementing. And, and he was, he even told the athletes, he's like, look, I'm learning this just like you are. And then when I showed up, January 1st, you know, that transition, they were already, the things were already implemented. So they already had the adjustments. So that movement was easier than it could have been. Whereas if I, I probably would have said, if I came January 1st and I didn't, I probably would have took a back seat and, and follow whatever the workouts were normally, if that makes any sense. Uh, it's great. The- it's great to hear that insight because you, you guys have looked from day one seamless, you know? So it's cool to hear that you, you had a plan, you came together and what an incredible thing at, at the time for a relatively young coach in Phil to trust somebody that he didn't necessarily know very well and implement the program right away. What, 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 a, what a great thing to get kicked off. Yeah, I mean, I give him credit. And, and looking back on it, it that, that was the, the, the key ingredient because it was like, okay, I'm going to trust him. He's trusting me to implement what he wants. You know, there's a lot of trust going on between two people, you know, and, um, and I was like, look, and I, I was like, I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to learn from you as well. You know, I learned a lot from him over these time period. I mean, he's a heck of a coach and he's done a heck of a job for my program. Yeah. Give him a lot of credit. It's fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the athletes, they hang on every word that he says whenever I walk by and, you know, it's, it, it's great because I got to see him as a young athlete, you know, and sure. I, he was roommates with one of the, the best kids that we had coming out of our program in college. So it's been neat to see his development over the years. TJ, one of the things that I appreciate most about you when we're at your place in Buffalo is anytime I walk to the pool deck, I'm walking by both your kids in the office or I see your wife working with you. Talk about what it's like to be the head coach of a relatively large club and find that cliched phrase that we all are aware of that work-life balance. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people ask me, uh, other people, you know, before I, before I took the job, people not in Western New York, you know, they, okay, star things, but you know, people from Indiana, they're like, all right, we've seen the team come to the Carmel meet. So, but my wife swam for star. You know, she would, she, Chris swam for star, you know, the whole family stamp. Greg even swam for star. He, he still claims he never swam for star, but he was a basketball player. But um, no, that's one thing I love about this team. You know, I, I told them right when the very beginning, when I came here that I'm family operated, uh, my family is very important to me. I'm making this move, not only for my own thing as coaching, but also give my wife an opportunity to be closer to home. You know, we live in a mile and a half from her dad. We live four blocks from her other brother who has four crazy boys. They're awesome. One's a seven-year-old, twins that are, uh, I want to say five, and then a two-year-old, you know, but it's been great for my family, you know. Um, It really has. And uh, the club has embraced my family. They've treated us from day one, like we've been here for 20 years. My wife's family has but uh literally i mean i always try to tell people like you're, you're on the east coast i go really no i'm not I'm closer to cleveland i'm in a, i'm in a, i'm in a, <laughs> i can get to indiana quicker than i can get to new york city <laughs> unless i fly it but, is man it's uh we are we are basically midwest yeah, I mean, um, that's that's what's so awesome about my program. You know, yeah, we're growing. We're a bigger size team for the for for the LSC, but really, it comes down to you know, a couple things. You, you know, you look you look at you said you asked me a couple questions earlier. You know, what did I what I take from Chris and Ian? You know, they had the motto of for the team. You know, for the team, you know, so in other words, putting the team first, you'll accomplish your own personal goals. Well, our, our motto is wit, you know, whatever it takes. And literally the best thing I can tell you 
is when you hear a parent, you know, they move on, they do a volunteer position or something, they go, whatever it takes, right, TJ? You know, and that's like, yeah, exactly. That's, and, and they're, they're on the same as the motto. So, but, you know, that balance, you know, uh, last night, my son brought home a piece of paper and said, hey, dad, uh, December 6th, I've got a, uh, I've got a band concert, you know, are you gonna come? And I, I'm like, I'm looking at time. I'm like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it happen, you know, because I know him just taking the moment to just holding it up and ask me, I know how important it is to him, you know, and that's where the balance of my, the program, we're going to be okay that day. I have great staff members that I trust and they trust me that, you know, they need that day or I need a day. It's okay. We're going to be okay that day. You know, doesn't mean teams taken off that day. It just means we might be having someone else conduct what we're doing that day. So sure. Sure. I think it's important. Oh, TJ, you're a parent. You know, you have kids who are now swimming on your team. Um, my kids are in a variety of different sports, swimming included. What is something that you want all parents to kind of keep in the front part of their mind as their child goes through the developmental process? Awesome question. Uh, so I'm going to give my, my son, I'm going to break it down for you. And I, and hopefully this will help out everyone that's listening. And, and Rory uh, is got a lot of energy like his mother. He's extremely smart. I mean, he gets probably the brains from me and he gets the energy from his mother. I'm kidding. It's probably the exact opposite, but um you know, Rory, we put him in this in this sport at four years old on a summer league team. We it, when we lived in Indianapolis, um, every neighborhood had their own team. So there was like a hundred neighborhood teams. I mean, it the summer league was crazy. But the four-year-old swam like one length, you know, they didn't even swim one length, they swim to the the uh, the rope in the middle of the country club pool. It was awesome. First meet, Roy dives in. I don't know if it was a dive, but fell in. Takes two strokes, grabs the lane rope. I start crying and laughing. I mean, I just came from practice of watching Amy Bilquist swim, Drew Kibler, you know, uh, Claire Adams, Jake Mitchell. I mean, I just came from that practice. So if it tells you kind of like what I came from of people trying to make the team, getting ready for nationals, whatever meets they're getting ready for. And it's my summer's, my son's first meet and I'm laughing and, and the guy hits me on the side. What, why are you laughing? And Roy takes two more strokes, grabs, grabs the, grabs lane rope again. And I start laughing a little more. Now, I'm not like hysterical laughing. He's like, why are you laughing? I go, cause you watch this. It's going to be good. This is, you haven't seen anything yet. Takes one more stroke, grabs lane rope. He goes, Hey mom, how you doing mom? Katie's like, what are you doing? Let's go. You have to go. And I'm laughing because I know his personality. He's just there to have fun. And he got there eventually. Like, I mean, it took like a minute. I thought it's probably like 10 seconds, but I, I felt like it was a minute. My point was, it's like, we put him in the sport originally. So for him, for his safety, I'm around the pool all the time. It wasn't to where he win the club championship at four years old. You know, he got like, I think he got most improved. I think they had to give every kid on the team a, a, a reward at the end. And he got most improved. I was like, well, you can only get better from where the, where we started, you know, that's okay. But uh, all through his years. So now we're talking five, the last five years, he's nine years old now. And Rory comes up to me at the very beginning of the year and goes, Hey dad, I go, yeah, Rory. He goes, I want to go to Indy this year. I go, well, how do you know about that swimming? He goes, well, I know I've heard some other people talking and they're going to Indy. I want to go to Indy. I go, well, well you got to qualify, you know, you got to get a cut, buddy. You can't, I can't just take you. I mean, he goes, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll get it. Well, where do I got to go? I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, what do you mean? You don't, you're the head coach. Don't you know what I got to go? I go, you need to talk to your coach. You need to, one, talk to your coach. 
and ask and tell them what your goals are for the year. Two, you need to ask coach, what do you got to do to get there? Three, you need to you thank your coach at the end of the day. Every day, you need to thank your coach. Shake his hand. You say, thank you so much, Coach Nate, coach Nate for everything you're doing for me. He goes, well, why can't you just tell me, Dad? I go, I could, but I'm your dad. I'm here to love you. I'm here to give you a hug. I'm here to tell you how proud I am of you, regardless. You know, so, and I, I it was a practice went by or whatever, and I, 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 and I didn't say anything to Coach Nate. Because that's his, he's a, he's a, it's his swimming, you know. I'm a piece of the puzzle. I'm his parent as a piece of the puzzle. Yes, I'm a piece of the puzzle of the head coach of his team, and I'm a head coach of his of his team. But his map, I always say, I always tell every athlete, your head coach, your assistant coaches, they're all pieces of the puzzle. Your family's a piece of the puzzle. School's a piece of your puzzle. Your friends are a piece of the puzzle. That makes your your puzzle that you you we all did during COVID, right? We all did those multiple jigsaw thousand piece puzzles. Man, this is so much fun. What else are we gonna do? Well, all those pieces make up their picture. So my goal for Rory, yeah, I want him to be successful. I want him to accomplish what he wants, but I'm gonna do it supporting him and loving him and being proud of him. And like last swimming, he he swam the, I think it was the hundred breast, and he he goes and he hits the wall and cuts like I think the cuts like 151 39. He went 151 50. He had his fist up. He's like, Yeah, I did it. I did it. I was like, yeah. He comes back and he's like, I did it. I go, Well, you did a great job. He's like, What do you mean? I got my cut. I go, well, you missed it by point one one. It's gonna be okay. And then I said, go talk to your coach. You know, that's who you need to talk to first. I'm here to, to love you. You know, I'm here to give you the hug, you know, and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to get it eventually. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my philosophy. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I want to get better and everything. But the funniest thing is it's Katie didn't swim. Can't, none of the plums can swim breaststrokes and none of the days can swim breaststrokes. And he's a breaststroker. That's how it works out sometimes, man, you know, and Hey, if it's a breaststroker, that's like gold, right? You got to hang on to them. Oh, exactly. That's mm. why I laugh. I was like, Oh, you got to move on. There were some relays. <laughs> You're going to need that later on, but uh, you know, great insight there, TJ, and, and really important for, for parents to hear, especially from a coach who's also a parent. Um, and, and all your kids are different. You know, your kids are going to have different interests and, they're going to be different in their commitment to the sport as it evolves. The, that commitment could grow. It, it could stay the same. It could get less. And you have to, as a parent, you know, keep your, <clears throat> keep your thumb on the pulse and just be supportive, man. You know, there are, the, there are times where I remember very vividly having a really great performance with one of our athletes, one of my stepkids. And the athlete saying after the meet, I'm going to take a month off and I'd be like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But I deferred because it's not my swimming. Sure. And you know what? We went three times faster than we had just gone without swimming at all. <laughs> so sometimes they know better than, than we know. Right. And, and sure. we have, we have to have that ability to let them do the things that they think is going to help them. Sure. And, and, and you're there for for the good times and the bad. You know that's their growth as as a as a young man and young woman. You know, so that you know, I mean, that's that's where I go back to. And I told you at the very beginning of this. I mean, I'm very fortunate I get to teach people life skills. Well, you know, someone else is teaching my son right now life skills. Someone is teaching my daughter's in exploring. You know, she's hilarious. You know, she gets out every day. And, and the coaches always come at me. Hey, I think something's wrong with Nora. I go, no, she's nothing wrong with Nora. <laughs> Nora needs to get back in the water, <laughs> do whatever you want. I love it. I, love I go, it. why don't you, you, you present that to her mother. That's what I said. <laughs> get out of that. Get out of the way of it. <laughs> TJ, what, uh, what are you most excited about here heading into 2022? Uh, just, I mean, <laughs> I'm very fortunate, 
I got a loving family. Uh, uh, I got a loving wife. I got two great children. I've got a great family. Uh, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to, you know, this same situation. We we're finally, you know, I feel like we're kind of back to getting some normalcy, you know, and hopefully we're on the right track. <laughs> Everybody says that, but I mean, I think we're on the right process of that. You know, I, uh, I mean, even I looked at the summer, you know, uh, we got the host Eastern zones and I mean, we had over 600 athletes at the meet. It was awesome. Just having that number of people and seeing friends that I have not seen in a long time. Those are the good things, you know, that I look forward to in the future. So. No doubt about it, man. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question because Saturday's a big day, but Ohio state, Michigan, is this the year or is Ohio State the juggernaut that it looks to be? Well, my, my team just got rolled on a pretty, pretty bad. And it's so funny because everybody was giving me such a, a hard, uh, a good time prior to that Ohio State Purdue game. Like, because I always feel like Purdue's got uh, Ohio State's number. Like, somehow they figure some things out and they, they have Ohio State's number. But, but, there's some years that they have no one's number, <laughs> but no, I honestly, what, uh, it, look, I'm a huge college football fan and, uh, I really like the change that Michigan's done defensively this year. Um, I think they've, you know, they went to a new coach, new coordinator, right? Yep. McDonald's, a lot, more, Ravens. a lot more of old school running. So, you know, I, I hope is, is it, is it in Ann Arbor? It's in Ann Arbor. It's a big house, huh? Well, then yep. I, I, you know, that's, there's three points you get. <laughs> yeah, I'll take any points against. Oh, I know. But then you got three points there. What's it? Do you know what a spread is yet? I want to say 14 and a half. Yeah, 14 and a half. So, so, so you got, I, you know what? They got a shot. I always say 10 <laughs> points is the magic number. And at three points being at home, yeah, you never know. We'll see, baby. Hey, TJ. Happy Thanksgiving, man, to you and your family. This episode is going to come out next week. Everybody can access it on <clears throat> Spotify, YouTube, and the Thinner and Faster website. TJ Day, excellent episode. Thrilled to have you on. We're going to have to do a part two because I got a lot more I got to get into with you. My pleasure, Mike. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family.